welcoming, welcoming, welcome to all those who are participating in this full new moon. <laughs> Aspect of our monthly meditation cycles or rhythm. The new moon follows the horizontal axis of our meditation after the full moon is the vertical. Follows the breath. At the, f at the new moon, we seek to concretize the energies that have been made available into expressions, practical applications, influencing well-thought actions, improvements. Should I announce the moment of silence? Should I, should I announce it? So, so now we're going to take a moment of silence. We have not started. Have we started? We're going to take a moment of silence. Then we're going to continue with the mantra for the invocation of light. Radiance are we and power. We stand forever with our hands stretched out, linking the heavens and the earth, the inner world of meaning and the subtle world of glamour. We reach into the light and bring it down to meet the need. We reach into the silent place and bring from thence the gift of understanding. Thus with the light we work and turn the darkness into day. We're going to continue with the talk for the evening. The theme is towards a future of right human relationship. Certain changes have taken place in the consciousness of humanity, which will aid and is already having a significant effect on the future work of establishing right human relationship. These advances and changes are essentially subjective, and in order to help humanity to recognize them, have been brought to our attention by the Tibetan through the work of the group of disciples he experimented with in the early part of the last century. This presentation seeks to indicate 
some of the implications that are emerging and connected to the future work of establishing right human relationship. It will be imaginative and only serve as a possibility in the future and therefore, in essence, visionary. In this connection, it is important to note that one of the major functions of the new group of well servers is to hold the vision before the eyes of men and women for where there is no vision, the people perish. These changes hold great spiritual enterprise for present-day discipleship groups and even more promise for future groups. The changes will progressively determine the direction and be the inspiration for all work and efforts connected with the establishment and expression of right human relationship. Because of these advances and changes, discipleship groups and groups in general can and will work with the energies of synthesis and universality, that potency of an impelling tendency to sense the needs of all. The group focus will increasingly be global and concerned for all. Their work will be increasingly dynamic and vibrant. In fact, the group will work more with the energy pouring in from an unimpeded and unimpeded relationship to the life more abundantly. And the frequency of far-reaching global changes will be accelerated. The changes of concern are those that were stated in Discipleship in the New Age, Volume 2, on pages 268 to 270. These statements by the Tibetan are as follows. Perhaps clarity of perception will come to you if you realize that the conditional demands of the initiator until the period of the year 1400 AD were for conscious soul contact. Today it is for a measure of established relationship to the spiritual triad. This is a different matter. Soul contact is necessary but it is not deemed to give all that the initiate of the new age must have. End quote. The Tibetan further explained that a great change in the human consciousness made it possible in the year 1425 AD to inaugurate changes in the requirements for initiation and definitely to lift the standard. He says 500 years have gone by since then and the purpose of these changes in discipline and training have proved well warranted. Humanity will increasingly demonstrate this as the insistent demands for unity and the growth of internationalism will demonstrate. End of quote. The emphasis in this presentation, however, is not on initiation, but on the discipline and training associated with the above changes. These are significant statements by the Tibetan concerning equally significant changes which are making available the universal energies associated with the spiritual triad. These energies are conditioning the distinctively new environment and atmosphere in which disciples in the new age will and are working and offering discipleship groups a most unique opportunity for service. In this future work with right human relationship, there is a need for appreciating, at least theoretically and imaginatively, what lies beyond the stages of conscious soul contact and fusion. And there is no need for discouragement even while struggling with these stages practically, because expansion of awareness is gradually taking place all the time, and no effort is lost in the spiritual work. Also, the group thinking has a service potency and is contributory 
to illumination and progress. Another way of conveying and appreciating this new emphasis, which will comprehensively impact the work and efforts to establish right human relationship from now and into the future, is to reflect on the implications of the demands made in the Rule 5 for Discipleship and Initiate on page 112 of the Race and Initiation. In this rule, it is demanded of the group to perceive the shining of the tribe. And the emphasis was on the macrocosmic whole. And we are advised to pursue all efforts from this new vision, which have been made possible because of the advances and changes in human consciousness. The future of our work with right human relationship is being newly defined and is progressively being determined by energies and forces of synthesis which were not before available and which are now emanating from the higher sources represented by the spiritual triad and not those former or earlier energies which contact with the soul made available and with which the present discipleship groups are still working. This newer approach will be in addition to all previous efforts. The life more abundantly is available for use and demands that we work differently and accordingly in establishing right human relationships. The spiritual tribe is the divine triplicity which expresses itself through the medium of the soul just as the three aspects of the soul in their turn, reflects themselves in the personality. It is simply our greater true self, reflected in the soul, a more intense and higher state of our being. It is dynamic and universal, and it is the foundation of our souls, and the originating source of inspiration in our souls. The soul is group conscious, but the spiritual tribe is universal. If the group consciousness of the soul is symbolically thought of as the relationship between the unit to a nation, then the awareness of the spiritual tribe will be symbolically equivalent to the relation of the nations to international relationships of the world. What are the energies that characterize the spiritual tribe? The energies that characterize the, and emanate from the spiritual tribe are the divine attributes of selflessness, harmlessness, and fearlessness, universally considered. Selflessness is to be brought about by the merging and blending of the separative individualistic mind with the universal mind. It is a state achieved when selfishness and unselfishness have taught all that they can offer of experience. Harmlessness prepares the way for the inflow of life. Harmlessness dissipates the obstruction to the free outpouring of love. Harmlessness is the key to the release of the lower nature from the grip of the world, illusion, and from the power of phenomenal existence. Fearlessness is the gift of fire of the spirit. It includes the capacity to know what must be done and the courage to do it. For fearlessness is expressed through the will which can penetrate all the way through from the universal spiritual will to the finite physical plane working out of that will. These divine attributes are today already conditioning the establishment of right human relationship and will increasingly continue to do so. Thank you. Some of the questions that were suggested were 
how do we contribute to the emergence of this new emphasis? What is the role or how would the new group of well servers intensify or aid in the emergence of this new emphasis? How do we make the energies that are pouring in vibrant in world applications? Now, we proceed to the meditation. We start with a moment of silence to link up with the worldwide group Strengthening the hands of the new group of well service. Group fusion. I am one with my group brothers, and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. Alignment. We recognize our place as a group within the heart center of the group of well service. Mentally extend a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center. To the Christ, the heart of love within the hierarchy. And towards Shambhala, where the will of God is known. Higher interlude. Hold the mind focused for a few moments on the planetary role of the group of well service, mediating between hierarchy and humanity. Responding to hierarchical impression and meditating the plan into existence.
meditation. Reflect on the seed thought. Through the impression and expression of certain great ideas, humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideals which will govern the new age. This is the major task of the group of world service. Precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, essential love, throughout the planet, from Shambhala, through the planetary heart, the hierarchy, through the Christ, the group of world service, through all men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, and finally, through the hearts and minds of the whole human family.
lower interlude. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the world through members of the group of world service, so building the thought form of solution to world problems. Distribution. As the great invocation is sounded, visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light and love and power. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters and serve. From the center, which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power Restore the plan on earth.
Now we're going to open the floor to the public for comments, suggestions, ideas that have come through and reflections that have become available concerning the theme of towards the future of right human relationship. I guess when we look around the world today with all of the crisis and combative behavior on all sides, it might be hard to might be hard to see right human relationships. But I think that the world is more complex than the media makes it out to be. I don't think it's just um, a matter of the conservatives versus the progressive people in the world. Um, there's a third group that stands between, and that's really the masses of humanity are really um, not knowing what they think. And the Tibetan actually describes them as bewildered because they look at the, probably the animosity in particular, and they wonder who's right because both sides sometimes seem quite aggressive and uh, quite sure of themselves. And perhaps the truth or the, the middle path is, is what really we need to try and formulate because we don't have it yet. And uh, the bewildered masses will be swayed towards whichever side can perhaps present a position that is not too much in the extremes. We're sort of stuck in the extremes because the disciples of the world, we're told, are governed by the sign of Scorpio, which is quite sure of itself and directed and focused on the goal, whereas the masses are governed by Libra, and they're not sure. And so it's really the um, opportunity of the new group of world servers to somehow present a perspective that will help to tip the masses towards the light. But I don't think it can be done through aggression or uh, too much surety. It has to be done gently. One of the questions uh, here is to how we keep the vision vibrant, and I think it's a it's a very important question for all of us students of ageless wisdom. We read the books, we meditate, and uh, probably if waking in the middle of the night, we could tell what is the vision, but truly how we are linked with that, how vibrant is that vision for us and I can say about myself that it's it's 
there are times when I can see clearly. I, I can sense that notes coming from ethers and I, it resonated inwardly and I know it inside. And there are times when I'm immersed into my everyday routine and my everyday glamours and uh, yeah, I can mentally articulate what is the vision, but I'm not really there. And I think it's our everyday work how to keep ourselves awakened, how to be awakened to that uh, and to be conscious about that vision. And uh, that is the daily labor for each of us to keep the vision stable and not just mentally but through inner resonance, knowing, hearing that note within. Well, I think um, I was just reading a passage in Esoteric Psychology Part 2, which was... And I, I wish I could remember it more clearly, but it was about how uh, a certain amount of conflict within oneself is necessary to become a more uh, assertive and self-definitive person. Um, and I was thinking about that, and I, I think that, you know, to a certain extent, you won't have right human relations until people are more consciously at odds with themselves. Um, and when they're not, you know, there's, I think there's a combination of unresolved sort of cognitive dissonance and, and a sense of sort of, you know, my self-interest is as follows and I pursue that and not really questioning that, which sort of doesn't necessarily allow for right human relations beyond a certain superficial point. Um, and I think when people are more at odds with themselves and trying harder to determine the right thing, you know, even if it's in some cases just a deepened understanding of what their self-interest is, um, then I think you'll you'll have more of a chance for right human relations. I was thinking about uh, Libra. And the word freedom has been on my mind and also in connection with Libra. And I was thinking about how, how, what that connection is or how that works. And I guess Libra being all about the law and, and balance and stuff. It's like if you can balance the scales or use the law consciously, you can be free. But if you're under that, if you're not aware of the law or not respecting the law, you're going to be imprisoned. And I guess that has to do with right human relations. It's like, you know, what you were talking about, just going with your desires and stuff, then, you know, you're going to get what you want and you're going to get whatever blowback comes from that, depending on how you act. But if you act in a kind of conscious manner, if there's a law governing how people behave or should behave towards each other, then you know, it's going to be win-win instead of win-lose, but ultimately lose-lose. So I think that's an important thing uh, of freedom, but also responsibility, and the two are connected and using the law instead of being used by it. Um, the issue of freedom is also, as you know, um, a big keynote of the Aquarian age, into which it's like one of the defining keynotes of Aquarius. And so I do, th- I've also been thinking about the concept of freedom today, which is trying to express itself in so many levels, um, generally in relationship to the past and breaking with what are the perceived um, confines of the past, it's scary to a lot of people, you know, this this concept of freedom. Um, 
And that's something that um, maybe people need to understand more. Um, I can speak for myself. Probably I need to understand it more. Um, freedom is frightening to, to a lot of people who want to keep things just the way they have always been, you know? The good old days. Um, and so to the, the movement all over now to forge into a, a new world um, frightens a lot of people. So in perhaps because there is a cosmic order, a divine order, the universe has also put in some constraints um, on this evolving life because as we move into the Aquarian age, which we're moving towards, um, many people understand that an age is divided into three distinct uh, parts called decanates. And so the first decanate, which is a 700-year cycle, is governed by S Saturn. And that planet puts a real, provides a real counterbalance to the Iranian influx of energies from the seventh ray and from Aquarius. And so I think that that's a big saving grace. It will hold back a too rapid progress into um, this quality of freedom. And so I think um, it's something that we should be thankful for. But Saturn is not easy. Wasn't, wasn't it was also, I, I think I just read the part you're talking about. Like he said that most people come in through Saturn, mm -hmm. but disciples come through one of the... Yeah, that's that's another point about the teaching on the decanates. Um, because like you're saying, if you're on one part of the path, you enter into that 700-year cycle from the third decanate because they become reversed for ordinary humanity. Disciples enter through Saturn. They enter uh, understanding about responsibility because they have soul contact, and the soul gives that sense of responsibility. But the masses of humanity come in through the third decanate ruler, which is Venus. And in this case, Venus is acting out under its lower aspects, which is what the Tibetan says, why there's so much um, promiscuity in the world today uh, because the masses are breaking away from the restraints. You know, they're taking the freedom as breaking away from the restraints, the sexual restraints of the past Piscean age. And it's all like coming out now under this. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was trying not to forget what I was trying to say. Uh, I just wanted to uh, add to a few points that's been made and I um, just couldn't pass this great discussion. I wanted to, uh, on the one point um, you were, that was being made about freedom and also on the point uh, earlier about um, right human relations, um, I was thinking that at the crux of a lot of this is, um, is it adage, or what's the right word, men know thyself, where we, in both cases, for me, um, in both cases, speaking of right human relations and uh, freedom, for me, it is more important in looking at the world to be free of the misinterpretation and miscalculation that actually has resulted in the state of the world we have, even in our best case of interpretation of the life that we live, we fall short and create imbalanced um, relation. Um, in, in our expression, in many ways in the world, everything that we do, we've 
result is based on right relations of uh, different aspects of the world. I mean, different aspect of of existence, uh, inventions, um, ways of living, um, the way we've evolved and established different departments of life, uh, government, uh, education. Uh, with in all of these things our basic our fundamental interpretation of life is mostly good but in a lot of ways our expression of it so far is missing that key component because we do not know ourselves so to speak but Basically, we know and we've, ex I mean, we've proven that there is no other way than right human relations because everything that we do in terms of creating societies and uh, civilization over time, any part of it that has succeeded has been a right expression of right relations. Our a right expression our right expressions of right human relations. That's right. It says, harmlessness prepares the way for the inflow of life. And this harmlessness is what guides, directs safely the life that is pouring in. So when there's no right human relationship, then fear, harmfulness, selfishness are present. And the life that is pouring in cannot pour in a st steady, stable way because of the lack of Harmlessness. It is amazing how when one examines any difficult problematic situation, it comes eventually to the need for the establishment of right human relationship. No matter what is going to be done, decisions will have to be made all along the way. And the individual making decisions based on right human relationship guarantees the flow of that life more abundantly. But when there is fear as it is in the world now, and the fear generates selfishness, then the selfishness, the source of all the crimes and all the problems in the world. It is sometimes when one is having discussion, you mention right human relationship, it looks like something so, it's not that important. They said, oh, the, the financial problems, the, the economic problems, the, the social problems, the the political problems, and what underlies all of them is the lack of right human relationship. And this depend. This is a place where each and every human being can be great in achieving that right human relationship. We may be denied to be great scientists, great doctors, great teachers, great writers, great singers, great dancers, great artists, but all of us can be great in practicing right human relationship. Um, makes me think a little bit about um, what Nick was just was saying. Um, 
because when you really look at what's going on, at least politically, in a lot of places, there doesn't seem to be much middle ground. Um, and so the pendulum is going to swing on one side or the other. And it is sort of uh, conflicted. There is a lot of that unresolved um, imbalance coming to the future, coming to the surface. And we might look at it and go, there's no hope for right human relationships in the middle of this battle. And it just came to me that maybe, you know, it is going to have to be a battle. And a battle seems like quite bloody. But the real test of the right human relationships probably comes after the battle is over. And how do we win the peace? You know, and so it calls for leadership that can then attempt to bridge uh, the destruction of the process of winning the battles, the di different battles that are going on, and a leader who can bridge to the other side and create that right human relationships in the aftermath. And this, this, this just emphasizes or sounds more the note of fearlessness, where it says it is the capacity to know what must be done and the courage to do it. The fearlessness is expressed through the will which can penetrate all the way through from the universal spiritual will to the finite physical plane working out of that will. So that battle that you mentioned seems to be on the horizon and maybe truly after that battle clarity will emerge after all humanity is guided by harmony through conflict and then some of the leaders that we are seeing already, children leading the world and bringing about change. Greta Thunberg and, uh, and the other children that are fighting for climate change. We have seen an astonishing achievement with the Sustainable Development Goals. Simply amazing when we look at it. Almost today, all colleges are beginning to study it. So I think we're going to be put on the spot to realize our harmony through conflict. May that battle not be too long. I think it will be an ongoing battle for a long time for each of us. It seems like right human relationships is such a basic principle, but the further one goes on the path, the more fierce that battle becomes. Earlier this year, I uh, had my personal commitment that I want to explore what does it mean to have right human relations. And I want to establish right relations with all people who are close to me. And uh, I proclaimed that and I started actively working on that. And uh, sometimes it seems to be that I'm actually doing pretty good. But that was just one level. As as soon as you make one step forward, life opens you next level of imperfection. And it starts challenging you further. Like what about right relations in situations like this? Okay, what about the next level? And so forth and so forth. And I think that 
as uh, you right said, Emmanuel, it's humanity is on the fourth ray, and it's it will be ongoing process of finding the right balance and right proportion. And uh, I think as we enter to the Aquarian age, and many of us through Saturn, through challenges and tests, it will be ongoing battle, ongoing process of figuring out what is the right relations on each ne next level of complexity that we face in our lives through each challenge. Because it's the right human relations, it's in a way it's like mathematical formula that you ongoingly use and it's in a universal formula so you use it in every single situation and every single challenge that your life throws at you it's that a formula that has to check every book in your accounting of your life I, uh, in specifically in regards to what you were saying about the battle needing to be fought and then afterwards trying to resolve things, I have a, a different approach to it or a thought on it. The In my perception of it, and probably most people's, but I don't know, is that the, the battle going on right now is in many ways and maybe exclusively, well, not totally exclusively, uh, an emotional battle. An emotional conflict. You, you don't see um, logical debates happening. You don't see debates about the ideas and both sides sincerely seeking whatever the truth is or offering best arguments. And so I think we don't need to wait for like the quote-unquote bloodbath to end and then try to you know fix it. I think it's each of our responsibilities right now in whatever small or large way we can to deepen our own point of awareness you know maybe for many of us it is mental already but in deepening it to intuitional we're creating a kind of flow towards that that others might go along the same line and move from emotional to mental and i think you know in the esoteric uh, teachings we're into you know the mind is the rejuvenator the restorer the revitalizer uh, the unifier at least the beginning of that and if we can look at the conflicts in a mental less emotional way I think there can be resolution started you know right away on on these issues but if you know it just remains on an emotional level it'll probably be similar to what you were saying and it'll either be you know a figure like Lincoln who will hopefully lead to some unification afterwards or it wind up like the Treaty of Versailles leading to another simmering conflict later in a different way. Uh, just a few couple more points. Uh, I spoke earlier about some um, misinterpretation and misunderstanding um, and one of them I think has been that underlies a lot of misinterpretation Miss, uh, oh, um, m that underlies a lot of the the strife and uh, tension is uh, the fact really that we don't understand or aware of the greatness of of a human being, of the human being, or of ourselves. Number one. Number two is that the pressure and the um, at some point, I guess you have to uh, do a lot of reflection um, at, at which point you will ask yourself, well, what is it, this regimen relation that, you know, that we're talking about? And um, in my opinion, I believe that you could not arrive at it unless you master a certain um conflict because 
we've gone through i mean we've gone through it through many and many generations and it has always taken a certain amount of conflict and conflict is part of of our existence uh in many ways um internally uh, externally in group form in small and, and large group form but it never necessarily means that it has to be destructive it, it can be uh, a constructive um um tool not tool but and uh force uh the other the last thing i wanted to say is that um One thing to recognize in ushering right human relation is the sense of common purpose that whether we come by it from one way or another, but at some point we have to come by it. And I think it's very interesting to look at aspects of things that we've been successful at and when I started looking at that in different ways underlying them there seems to be always a sense of common purpose I, mean, I think um, in a sense the working of this country uh, even when it does not seem to be working but that's this apparent thing but underneath um, it's it's just amazing to see how common purpose can weave people with different uh, interests into such a... I mean, the United Nations is probably uh, another great example um, of how much good has come out of things that bring people together in a common purpose. Thank you very much. We are approaching the end of our full moon presentation. We're going to take a brief moment of silence. Thanks to everyone. Little announcement here. The next full moon meeting will be on October 13th, 2019. To be at 3 p.m. at the Lucy's Trust Office, 866 United Nations Plaza. The Festival of Libra. The keynote for Libra is I choose the way that leads between the two great lines of force. Full Moon Meditation Meeting Sunday, October 13th, 2019.